A quarterback's best friend is a tight end, but it also doesn't hurt to have some wide receivers to throw to. Whoever wins the Bearcats quarterback battle will have a strong and emerging wide receiver room to work with. And Luke Fickle recently said the Bearcats were right there to win a national championship last year. I don't question that. Plus, looking ahead to tomorrow's final four games, including a dream come true matchup. I'll explain and all of that straight ahead on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. Like this video. Leave a comment. That helps more Bearcats fans like you find this podcast. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2022. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. All things Cincinnati Bearcats, daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. So I've talked about before. On this show, the luxury of the tight end tandem of Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor returning next year. It is going to be massive for whoever takes over as the Bearcats starting quarterback, Ben Bryant or Evan Prater. But there's also going to be another position that's going to be a valuable asset to whoever takes over at the quarterback position, and that's wide receiver. This wide receiver room is actually really, really good. I personally didn't think it was going to be all that exciting, but it actually is. It's exciting because there's experience here. You can work with the wide receivers that you have. I look at this wide receiver room, and I think about the 2021 Bengals. T. Higgins was in his second year. Jamar Chase was a rookie. Tyler Boyd was in just his sixth season, and that wide receiver trio took off. The wide receivers for the Cincinnati Bearcats – Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Jaden Thompson, Nick Bardner. That's a solid core four right there. Trey Tucker is a do-it-all, versatile receiver. I'm reading Keith Jenkins' article, Cincinnati Inquirer Bearcats beat writer. I'm reading his story from just a few days ago earlier this week and talking about that Trey Tucker does everything right. Wide receivers coach Mike Brown is high on Trey Tucker. But the one player that I think you have to keep your eye on this year is Tyler Scott. He caught my eye in the very first game last year, the very first possession of the season last year with that 81-yard touchdown. I remember the throw made by Desmond Ritter, but I also remember the catch by Tyler Scott and seeing just how good of a receiver he can be. Since I started watching Bearcats football in 2008, I've never really seen a prolific wide receiver come through Cincinnati. The Bearcats, especially under Luke Fickle, are not an offense that's going to produce a prolific wide receiver, one that's going to have 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and 12 touchdowns. They're not like that. They're not going to produce a Jamison Williams or a John Mechie like Alabama did last year. They're not going to produce a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson like LSU had in 2019. There are teams around the country in this conference I remember when Cincinnati faced Memphis in 2018 and 2000, I'm sorry, 2019, the receivers that Memphis had on that team, DeMonte Coxey, Calvin Austin III, 
those receivers put up some big-time numbers. But that's because Memphis and Houston played a strictly, or even UCF with guys like Marlon Williams when the Bearcats would face Central Florida, and they still do every year. Those offenses were pass-centric. We're going to work the perimeter. The Bearcats were more of a ground-and-pound attack, and yet it was still effective because they won 10-plus games in 2018 and 2019. They won 11 games, actually, both of those seasons. They won 13 games last year, and they won nine games in a truncated 2020 season. And they've never had a wide receiver that absolutely crushes it. Houston has one right now in Nathaniel Dell, 70-plus catches last year, over 1,000 yards. The Bearcats' leading receiver last year, Alec Pierce, did not have those numbers. He had over 800 receiving yards. That's good. Can you replace that this year? Potentially. Nick Martin is going to help with that in the middle. I think Tyler Scott can be that for Cincinnati as well. Tyler Scott last year was third in receptions and second in receiving yards. That's huge. That's huge to have that on this team. So it's not like the offense is not going to be just a massive step back from where it was in 2021. I don't believe that because I think whoever takes over a quarterback is going to be able to work with the wide receivers and tight ends. And what's also going to help is, quick side note, is the fact that the offensive line is going to be returning all five starters, which means you're going to have time to throw. So the wide receiver room we know is going to be an asset to whoever takes over a quarterback. But I, I thought about this more, and I'm reading about Ben Bryant and Evan Prater this week and the quarterback battle, you know, what's being said around the program, what's been happening at practice, uh, you know, reading it from afar down here in Georgia, what's happening up here in Cincinnati. I will, I will, I thought about this. Are we trying, are the Bearcats having this quarterback battle to determine who's going to start the Arkansas game? Are we putting more stock into that? Or, or are they rather, are they putting more stock into that versus thinking long term? If we're talking strictly the Arkansas game, which I hate that that's the first game of the season for this reason. I think Evan Prater has more upside. I have said that I believe Ben Bryant will be named the starter only because of the first game of the season being at Arkansas, who was going to be ranked to start the season. If Arkansas was the fourth game of the season, and let's say the first game of the season was Miami or Kennesaw State or Indiana, I'm taking Evan Prater as my starter. And and, and if I'm Luke Fickle, I'm not even having a quarterback competition. The quarterback battle has been really good for the Bearcats program. Luke Fickles talked about healthy competition. There was one in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. There really wasn't one last year, A, because Ben Bryant had transferred, B, because Desmond Ritter was coming off an amazing 2020 season. But this is, this is the problem. The Arkansas game is so massive. It's the first game of the season. You probably want the guy with the most experience. And Ben Bryant has a full season worth of games under his belt, worth of starting under his belt. Evan Evan Prater doesn't have that, but it's not Evan Prater's fault. So now I'm seeing, okay, Evan Prater has more upside with what he can do as a quarterback. And as college football has transitioned 
to be not just strictly ground and pound up the middle, and it's been this way now for almost 10 years. It's read option. It's quarterback run, zone read keepers. It's getting to the edge. It is up-tempo offense. It's stressing every single inch of the field and every single part of the defense. I'm taking Evan Prater because there are things he, there are more things he can do than Ben Bryant can do. I told you yesterday that there's a script potentially being written of a hometown kid getting the start at quarterback in Evan Prater. There's also this script that could be written about Ben Bryant, who was with the Bearcats, transferred to Eastern Michigan. There's a great story in The Athletic by Justin Williams about that. And he comes back to Cincinnati after getting a full season worth of games starting under his belt. And now he has the opportunity, clear as day, even if there was a quarterback competition in 2020 and 2019, he now has a clear as day opportunity to win the starting quarterback job. For the first time, he is a, a front runner to win. Because his competition is Evan Prater, who in this regard has only played sparingly last year for Cincinnati. He played in seven games last year. In mop-up duty for Desmond Ritter. Now, that's still valuable experience. You're coming in and taking over for a quarterback who is, I think, the greatest quarterback in the modern era of Bearcats football. No disrespect to my former colleague, Tony Pike. But Evan Prater, has, Evan Prater does not have much experience. But if the Arkansas game was not the first game of the season, I would seriously take Evan Prater because then you can put him out there against Miami. I don't care if that game's in Oxford or not. The Bearcats are going to beat Miami by 20, probably. So Evan Prater starts that game. He starts against Kennesaw State. Okay, let's give him a home game against Indiana, who's not going to be very good, potentially. Then let's... So he has three games worth of experience. Let's give him the opportunity to start at Arkansas game four with three games of experience. And if he struggles, hey, we've got Ben Bryant, a, an experienced backup quarterback with a full season's worth of starting games to back him up. If he struggles, Prater, we can put Ben Bryant in and maybe still have a chance to win the game. That would be in an ideal world what you would do. But the first game is at Arkansas. So would it shock me if Ben Bryant was named the starter? No. Would it shock me if Evan Prater was named the starter? No, because sometimes the other way around, the other way to look at this is you have to give your quarterback experiences in big games early on. If Evan Prater's first start is – Tom Brady's first start in Michigan was at Notre Dame. I mean, talk about throwing – you know, talk about getting thrown into the fire. And Tom Brady, look what he did in Michigan. Yeah, he only amounted to a sixth-round pick, but he was still a really good quarterback, and he's now the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. So you think about that. If, if you throw Evan Prater in his first game at Arkansas, he will immediately learn, okay, this is a big game. i got to you know, prepare. I've got to lead an offense in an SEC stadium against a really good team that's going to be ranked in the top 15. I remember when I was in high school, my sophomore year, I was the varsity basketball team manager for two years. And our first game, our sophomore season. So we had a senior point guard who was lined up to be the starter. He had he was really good. He injures his, he injures his ankle a week before uh, practice started in November. So we end so he ended up not being the starting point guard 
for I think he only started one game that year and that was senior night. Love that love that guy. His name is Greg Fisher. Love the guy. Great guy. Great guy to be around. But he ended up not playing as much as he was expected to that season, or as we were hoping and expecting. So we ended up starting a sophomore point guard in our very first game of the season. Now, this guy, his name is Alec Poultry, a good friend of mine. His his dad was the head coach at my high school basketball for 20 years. And this season, my sophomore year, was two years after uh, his tenure ended there. So he took over as the starting point guard. And we all knew he was a really good player. He teared it up in elementary school. He teared it up in middle school and teared it up his freshman season. He played JV and he played sparingly on the varsity team. He would dress sometimes and played sparingly. As a sophomore, he's taking over as the starting point guard. He'd worked for this all his life. And with each game, he got better and better and better. The first game of the season was at Fairfield. Really good team, tough environment, on the road. And I don't remember his exact stats in that game, but he still was thrown into the fire immediately, and he got better and better and better. If that's what happens here with Evan Prater, fine. But the Arkansas game being first is really interesting in this case. Now, going back to my initial point in the segment, the wide receiver room is going to be a huge asset to Bryant or Prater. There is experience here. Tyler Scott, if, I mean, if he's the leading receiver this year, he might have 60 catches and 800 yards. Great. Because the running back, the running game is still going to be, I believe, the dominant part of this offense. But the running game is not going to be dominated by a bell cow running back. So you might want to go to your passing game more. The Bearcats' offensive identity, I don't believe, is that. Now, then again, they are they do have a new offensive coordinator in Gino Gadouli. And that's a topic that we're going to talk about this offseason. I'm going to ask some people about this. Do you think the offensive identity with a former passing game coordinator is going to change how this offense runs? It wouldn't shock me if it did, especially with the wide receivers that they have. I might have just set up a topic for next week and the rest of spring ball. Uh, coming up, I don't and you shouldn't either. Question Luke Fickle when he says the Bearcats were right there to win a national championship last year. I'll get into it next. But first, I need to tell you about Built Bar because this is the time of year that I have pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to my goal. I don't make resolutions, remember. By eating right, thanks to Built Bar, it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. Oh, that's so good. These are going to be your new favorite. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, April 1st of 2022. It's been a great week here on Lockdown Bearcats. And I recently listened to a conversation that 
football head coach Luke Fickle had with Dan Horde. And one of the things that Luke Fickle said when Dan asked him what he took away from rewatching the Cotton Bowl three to four times was Luke Fickle said that he really felt like they were right there to win a national championship. And they were in the sense that they were one of four teams left playing. Like, I think for me, the, the process of the four weeks leading up to the Cotton Bowl was, oh my gosh, the Bearcats are in the college football playoff. And then I realized we're one win away from playing for a national championship or two wins away from winning a national championship. And that's never been the case here in Cincinnati. Yes, 2009, they were right there to win a national championship, but they could not determine the outcome of if they were going to play for one or not. What determined it, unfortunately, was a computer-based system of rankings. Lord help us go back to the BCS, although Mike Oresco did want to do that in 2020. Excuse me. So the Bearcats were right there. And if there's anything that I've seen under Luke Fickle, it's the fact that he believes in his team so much. 2018, he says in fall camp that he felt like the Bearcats could play for a conference championship. I was hoping that they would just go to a bowl game. Because I didn't know how they were going to be. There were so many things to like about Luke Fickle. His energy, his understanding of football in Cincinnati, his recruiting abilities, his coaching style. There's a lot of, there was a lot of things to like. But they went 4-8 in 2017. And they weren't very good on either side of the ball. I don't remember how they were. I, I think they were okay in special teams. But they weren't good on offense or defense. And just 2018 was such a massive revival. It's almost like it was almost like 2017 didn't even happen. It was so night and day. And that's what happens when you're able to recruit his when he was able to recruit some of his players. And those players were integral to the success of that team. We Going into that season, I'm like, are they going to be able to stop any team in this conference? Because they clearly struggled to do so in 2017. The first game, the first conference game of that season was UConn. UConn goes up 7 to nothing, And you're thinking, oh my gosh, here we go again. Well, the Bearcats won 49-7. And then they hold Navy, who ran for 500 plus, almost 600 yards on them in 2017. They held Navy to 124. And beat them 42-0. USF they held to 23 points. That USF offense was still really good. UCF they go down there and hang tough. Yes, they gave up 38 points. But keep in mind, UCF got seven of those points on a blocked field goal that had a long return. So really they held them to 31. And that UCF team scored 51 on them in a range-shortened game in 2008. 17. My point is this. I mean, I could go on and on about how improved their defense was in 2018. My point is this. Luke Fickle's coaching abilities. When he says that his team can do can do something, you better believe him. You should know by now not to question it. Because Luke Fickle is a really good head coach. You take away his 4 and 8 season. 
His last four seasons, he has won 52 games. I'm sorry. That, see, this is why I'm not going to math. His last four seasons, take away 27, he's won 44 games. 44 games in the last four years. An average of 11 wins a season. That is remarkably impressive. That's up there with Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. And, and any other great college football head coach right now. Ryan Day. It's up there with Brian Kelly and Kirby Smart. That and So when he says the Bearcats are right there, they truly are. And he's not going to say because he's won so many games. It's not, he's not going to give credit. He's not going to take the credit himself. But the Bearcats have built this program into being a top 10 program. And that's why it would not shock me if they again won a third straight conference championship and won a, you know, got or won a berth to a New Year's Six Bowl. And then maybe won a New Year's Six Bowl game. I don't know. I do know this. I do believe it. I do believe that Cincinnati can win a national championship at some point. Because of what they did last year, which is going to bring in recruits, because they're going to the Big 12, so they're going to get more exposure. They're going to get more opportunities. They're going to get more resources. This is what you want if you are if you come to the University of Cincinnati. What a great place to come and play football. A city that has a college football team who just made the college football playoff, the exclusive college football playoff, that is perceptually an exclusive playoff to Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Not last year, notwithstanding for the Tigers. You're coming to a city that is a hotbed for recruiting in high school football. You're coming to a community that has a rabid fan base, a passionate fan base, a great athletic department that has made a lot of great decisions recently with renovations, head coaching hires, and now going to the Big 12 and doing everything they can with the practice facility and the day one, ready from day one initiative to be ready to play for the Big 12. And oh, by the way, it doesn't hurt to have just down the road an NFL team that just went to the Super Bowl and is only getting better in the Bengals and having a face of the franchise and a face of the city in Joe Burrow. That's what you're coming to if you're coming to the University of Cincinnati. And by the way, Nick Saban is not going to be coaching forever. Dabo Sweeney, we keep hearing rumors that he could go back to Alabama. He's not Nick Saban, though. Ryan Day, there's been Ryan Day to NFL rumors, at least this offseason. But until he leaves, which I don't think is going to be anytime soon, Luke Fickle's not leaving. The only job he's taking is Ohio State. He didn't take Notre Dame. If he didn't take Notre Dame, which made me sweat a little bit. I did not sweat during Michigan State. Maybe you did. I did not. I did sweat during Notre Dame, and I am sure you did. Luke Fickle is not going anywhere. This is so unique. When you are building a program in the American Athletic Conference, you're going to get noticed. And more often than not, a head coach in a group of five conference is walking out the door. After two to three years of building this program. It sucks that it is that way, but that's the way it is. But the University of but, but this has always been different. When Luke Fickle did not leave after year two, it was like, 
That's different. When Luke Fickle didn't take the Michigan State job after 2020, as much as I didn't sweat it, that's different. I mean, that's when it really felt different. When you go into your fourth season, something Brian Kelly never did, something Mark D'Antonio never did, something Butch Jones never did. The only coach who did was Tommy Tuberville, and we're not even going to count that. Because he was so bad. That's why he made it four years. Butch Jones won multiple Big East championships. So too did Brian Kelly. Mark D'Antonio built the Bearcats program so Brian Kelly could make it what it ended up being a really good program. Luke Fickle has made this program really good and then some any estate. Mo Egger said it, emphasized the fact on his show earlier this week that the Bearcats are that Luke Fickle is going into his sixth season as head coach at the University of Cincinnati. And he's been the leader of a program that has been the top of the group of five for the last three years that has been to a college football playoff, and yet he is still here. And now the Bearcats are going to the Big 12. He has survived, or he stayed through Power 5 programs trying to lure him from Cincinnati. And because he made it through that, he was able to be here when Cincinnati was admitted to the Big 12, and he passed up Notre Dame. And now that they have their head coach, Marcus Freeman, who the players are really excited about, as we saw, and the Bearcats have now been in the college football playoff, and they're likely going to the Big 12 in 2023. Luke Fickle's here to stay for a long time. So when he says they're right there to win a national championship, I truly believe it. Nick Saban is not coaching forever. And eventually, Cincinnati may get another shot at Alabama. They may be, When they join the Big 12, they're going to have an opportunity to play in the college football playoff every single year. They are so unique and in such a great position because they climbed the ladder in a mid-major conference to being at the top of that, and then they're like, well, that's not enough. We want to play in the college football playoff, and they did. Luke Fickle is such a unique head coach because of everything that – everything, every opportunity that came his way, he turned down in terms and opportunities in terms of coaching a Power 5 programs. He turned those down. He built the Bearcats program into what it is. They were able, the, the, the program was able to establish a level of continuity with Desmond Ritter staying four years, with, my, with Kobe Bryant staying five years, Sauce Gardner emerging as being the best cornerback in the country. This is such a unique program and such a unique journey the last four years. Not only being, in the, you know, the first goal was top 25, then was playing for conference championships, and now... It's top 10. Now it's playing for the college football playoff. So when Luke Fickle says they're right there to play for a national championship, I truly believe it. They were, I mean, they were the first possession of the Gotten Bowl on offense for Cincinnati. They were inside the 10-yard line of Alabama. They drove all the way down the field. I'm like, this is is really good. This is going to be a close game. This is going to be competitive. And 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 the, the the play the first and goal play where it, I think I think it was Fedaria Mathis for Alabama Ritter tried to throw a dart over the middle to Alec Pierce and Mathis batted it down. That was a touchdown right there. The game would have been tied, and it was still ten to three at the end of the second quarter. So you want to tell me that, so if you doubt that if you doubt that Cincinnati was right there to win a national championship if you didn't think they had a chance against Alabama. Go back and watch the game. I haven't yet. I might now 
But from what I remember, the game was close and competitive throughout. Alabama just ran the ball straight down the Bearcats' throats, and Will Anderson was a wrecking ball when it came to the Bearcats, what they were trying to do. The game, they were right there. They were one of four teams playing for a national championship. That is, Luke Fickle's correct. And if you doubt him, if you doubt if if he comes out and says tomorrow, if, or at his next press conference and says, I believe this team has a chance to play for a national championship. Are you gonna, are you going to doubt it seriously? If he says I believe we can go undefeated in the conference, he never. I don't think he would say that. Would you doubt that? I wouldn't, because I because I have seen this team overcome any doubts that I had, any other media member had, any other you know those close to the program had. I've seen this team overcome. And build and build and build so much over the last four years that I don't doubt that there's anything they can do. Or let me rephrase that. There's nothing this program can do. I don't doubt anything with this program right now. Now, are they going to go undefeated again this year? Eh, that's unrealistic. Again, though, they've done it before. Up next, looking ahead to tomorrow's final four, including a dream come true matchup. Dream come true matchup. How about that? But first, I got to tell you about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the final four and will determine this year's national championship this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, sporting in, wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, April 1st of 2022. By the way, those lines um, from Bet Online. Final four tomorrow. Villanova, Kansas tips things off. Tip things off at 6.09 p.m. from the Caesars Superdome. I still think of it as the Louisiana Superdome. I'll just call it the Superdome in New Orleans. Kansas a minus four. They're at minus four, four-point favorites. Over-under on that game, 132.5. And then the matchup we are so anticipating, 8.49 p.m., North Carolina and Duke. Duke also at minus four. Over-under on that game, 151.5. This is going to be a great Final Four. Again, I said it earlier this week on Monday's show that – it's all blue bloods. It's historic programs. This is what the final four should be. Elite programs. One of them is going to win a national championship. And if you don't like it, I understand it. Because these programs have won a lot. Duke's won five national championships. Carolina's won six. Villanova and Kansas each have three. But that doesn't mean that I'm not looking forward to it. College basketball, the Final Four is better when these programs are playing. It's like the NBA is better when certain teams are in the playoffs. 
the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Celtics. Which, I don't, the last time all three of those teams were in the playoffs, my lord, when was that? I think it was last year, but that was such a truncated season. In a normal season, the last time those all three teams were in the playoffs, that's a that's got to be a long time ago. Anyway, like the NFL is better when certain teams are in the playoffs, like the Cowboys, the Giants, the Bears, the Packers, your historic teams, because those will draw the most viewers. Networks will make more money off of that. When markets like New Boston and Los Angeles are playing in the World Series or the Super Bowl, as was the case in 2018, it's, it is somewhat better for the sport. You as a casual fan may want to see new-blooded teams. You might have liked last year's Final Four. Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, UCLA. Besides UCLA, one of those programs was going to win their first national championship. Well, I think Baylor won a national championship prior to 2021. But you look at Texas Tech and Virginia in 2019. And then Auburn was in the Final Four that year. One of those programs, unless if you're Michigan State, one of those programs was going to win their first ever national championship. You might like that. I do too, but I also like seeing... Historic programs. It makes the sport more fun. So when you were a kid, and I did this too, you probably imagined a few things that you hoped that you hoped you would see in sports. Whether it be a team that went undefeated. I hope that was the case in 2006. Well, the Patriots went undefeated the next year. Or a big comeback in a big game. I was on the wrong side of that as someone born in Atlanta and a Falcons fan in 2017 Super Bowl 51. Maybe you hope to see a buzzer beater decide a national championship or a walk-off home run in the World Series. When I was a kid and learned of Bill Mazeroski for the Pirates and Joe Carter for the Blue Jays in 1960 and 1993, respectively, a walk-off home run to win the World Series. How epic is that? Especially in a Game 7, when the, in which, which was the case for Mazeroski and the Pirates. Maybe you hope to see a buzzer beater determine an NBA Finals. We saw it in the National Championship for College Basketball in 2016. You hope for a game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl. We've seen that multiple times. Or a walk-off touchdown in the Super Bowl. We've seen that multiple times. We dream about these endings. But we also dream about matchups. We dream about seeing Carolina and Duke in the Final Four. We dream about seeing Lakers-Celtics in the NBA Finals. We dream about seeing Yankees-Red Sox in the playoffs or any other rivalry. Cubs-White Sox in the World Series. Yankees-Mets in the World Series, which was a reality in 2000. Or in the NHL, you dream about these matchups. You dream about college football national championships. We have that with Carolina and Duke. Now it's a reality. And... I don't know if it's going to happen again after this year. It's so hard for these matchups to happen. So many things have to go right. First, both teams have to get there. And in doing so, they have to have some luck. Duke has caught fire at the right time in college basketball. You know, they've beaten some really good teams en route to to their Final Four. 
North Carolina benefited from not having to face some potentially really tough opponents in their in their region. They beat number one Baylor, who was missing their best player, potentially, in Jonathan Chamawachachua. They got the benefit of playing UCLA on the East Coast. They got the benefit of playing what turned out to be an exhausted from all the you know coverage they were getting, St. Peter's. If they had faced Purdue, I think Purdue would have beaten them. If they had faced Kentucky, I think Kentucky would have beaten them as they did in the regular season. North Carolina got lucky, and now they're both in the same region. This is the first time. This was the first time since 1991 that Duke and North Carolina could have met in the Final Four or the national championship. So think about that and the specialness that this game has. I don't know if you're going to see it again. I don't know if you're going to see a matchup like this again in the NCAA tournament. Soak it in and enjoy it. You dreamed about this matchup for forever as a kid. Even if you didn't aspire to play for one of those schools. As a casual sports fan like me, I wanted to see this matchup in the NCAA tournament. You know, I would always see that these teams had never played in the NCAA tournament. And I was always shocked by that. They played in the NIT back in 1971, but they've never played in the NCAA tournament. Well, now you're going to get them in the Final Four. How special is this? This is a really special matchup. If you are a college basketball fan, if you're a sports fan, this is the best matchup. But here's the thing about it. Is the winner of this game really going to win the national championship? I don't know. If Duke wins, I think so. If North Carolina wins, I don't think so. Because this is uh, this game is either going to be Duke wins by 20 because they're so angry from what happened one month ago at Cameron Indoor Stadium when North Carolina walked in there in Mike Krzyzewski's last ever game at Cameron Indoor and beat them. Or it's going to be, because this is always the case with Duke and North Carolina, it's going to be another really close matchup. And it's going to have some wacko crazy ending, maybe an ending like we've never seen in this rivalry. That's what this game, that's what this game to me is going to be like. One of those two things. Villanova, Kansas. Do people even care about that game? I actually do. Because Villanova is going to be missing one of their best players in Justin Moore. Kansas is playing some of the is playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. What they did to Miami in the second half of that regional final was as impressive of a 20 minutes of basketball as I've seen. But Villanova has beaten them the last two times they've played in the NCAA tournament. Villanova right now is Kansas's number. And even though Villanova's missing one of their better players who averages over 15 points per game in Justin Moore, this is still a Villanova team with a toughness to them and a culture to them. Jay Wright is one of the most underappreciated head coaches in college basketball. This is, his, this is Villanova's third Final Four appearance in the last six NCAA tournaments. It's their fourth in the last 13. This is still a Villanova, this is still a Villanova team that is very dangerous, very experienced, very well coached. They've been here before. 
Kansas is playing in the Final Four for the first time in four years. Now, same too with Villanova. In fact, they played in the Final Four. They faced off against each other in the Final Four in 2018. This is still a matchup, though. And Kansas is the only number one seed left. I still think Kansas is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a lot closer. It's the Final Four. The only blowout I've seen in the Final Four was what Villanova did to Oklahoma. I don't anticipate that happening this year. I think Kansas wins by six. I think Duke either wins by 20 or they win in some crazy ending like we've never seen before in college basketball. I think I think the script is being written that Duke is going to win this game. Now, if they don't win, their psyche is hurt forever. It's going to hurt forever. Because some losses you can get over easily. Like the loss to North Carolina in the regular season, you move on. You still have the, the ACC and NCAA tournaments. In the Final Four, though, in Coach K's last game that they're going to lose to North Carolina, is that really how this game is going to end? How this season's going to end? How this career and era of college basketball is going to end? I don't think so. North Carolina is a good team, and I think Hubert Davis has that program on the absolute right track post Roy Williams. Damn it, they're not beating Duke. Duke is winning this game. And they're going to win this game. I It would not shock me if they won by 20. But I've seen too many Duke Carolina games to know. But my gut's telling me Duke's going to win by 20. So you know what? I'm going to take him by 20. So we'll have a Duke-Kansas National Championship. That's a great matchup there. Mike Krzyzewski versus Bill Self. I believe, yeah, they've met in the NCAA tournament. They played in 2018, one of the best tournament games I've seen in Omaha. Uh, New Orleans is a great place for the Final Four. New Orleans, New Orleans is a great place for the Final Four or Super Bowl. They got a great stadium. They have a great city. So there's a lot of life in that city. Um, it's a, it's a warm weather city. You know, uh, my thoughts and prayers are obviously with you know all those who suffered from the storm damage in New Orleans earlier this week. But it's such a vibrant city. There's a culture there. I mean, it's hosted numerous Super Bowls. It's hosted now six Final Fours. The stadium's iconic. This is what it's. This is what it should be like. The Final Four should be like. And uh, I'll tell you what. This has been a fun week here in Lockdown Bearcats. Bearcats spring practice revving up. The season, believe it or not, is five months away. Uh, five months away from Sunday is the very first game in Arkansas. So this is. I mean, it's, it's going to be here sooner rather than later. And of course, men's basketball, the offseason is going to, you know, pick up steam. Bearcats baseball Wednesday night losing to Xavier 10 to 6. Uh, don't panic with them yet. I know they've been struggling. They've been in a slump. They've lost 10 of their last 13 games and starting 6 and 4. I would I would just say this. They've played their best baseball towards the end of their seasons. You know, they did a great job in 2019 of getting back to 500 and then hovering right around there. Some things happened around them in the conference that they were able to get the two seat, and then they just won, you know, went on a hot streak with winning the conference tournament, playing in the NCAA tournament, beating Oregon State, you know, taking Michigan, you know, giving them everything they could handle, eventually the runners-up in that NCAA tournament, and then uh, Creighton just ran out of gas against them. But still, they played their best down down the stretch, 2000. 21 last year. They swept Tulane four games in Cincinnati, went into the tournament with a lot of momentum. 
And had it not been for a big UCF comeback, I believe they could have gone further. I do believe they, they could have gone further because they, by some wacko event, they ended up facing East Carolina in an elimination game because they too lost their first round game. So anything can happen for Bearcats baseball. So much we got to this week. So much to get to next week. More from spring practice. Spring game is next Saturday. We'll try and get a guest on the show. Maybe multiple guests. And uh, just don't forget to subscribe to Lockdown Bearcats on YouTube. Like and comment this video. Rate this video to help more Bearcats fans like you find this podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great weekend. Have a great Final Four weekend. Enjoy it. And I will be back on Monday to recap the semifinals, look ahead to the national championship, more from Bearcats spring practice, of course, more news on the men's basketball front. We'll recap Bearcats baseball. Huge series this weekend against those East Carolina Pirates. And uh, baseball season's right around the corner for the major leagues, too. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your Friday and weekend, and I will talk to you all on Monday.